Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's Sales Talk Podcast. Diving deep into the world of sales and entrepreneurship by interviewing top leaders and influencers from around the world so you can overcome obstacles and achieve success. And now, here's your host, international best-selling author and business expert, Anthony Garcia. Catapulting Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. So today's guest comes near and dear to me. Steven Scoggins is an award-winning, successful serial multi-million dollar entrepreneur of multiple businesses. He's a highly sought-after motivational speaker, host of the hit podcast Unstoppable, and creator of Unstoppable Solutions, offering hope, encouragement, and empowering education to aspiring leaders and early-stage entrepreneurs in any area of their life and business. Now, let me say this to you, Catapulting Commissions family. If you've been following the journey, you would know that this entrepreneur that Steven speaks to kind of falls into us. If you've been with me, you've followed this early stage and in and, and trying to develop thought leadership in this space over the past four years. So by no means am I here to say that I'm the best in the world, but I'm learning from some of the best in the world. And Steven Scoggins is one of those people. So Steven, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, G. What's up, baby? How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm glad to have you here, brother. So here's, here's the deal. You have built not one, but multiple ventures that have gone mm-hmm. on to be successful and profitable. Mm-hmm. And it's not a secret, right? In today's day and age and market, running a successful, profitable business, mm-hmm. I would argue that the amount of people we see that run businesses that are quote unquote profitable online aren't really as profitable as we anticipate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like you pick up this hidden curtain behind this entrepreneurship journey. You, however, you're, you're living proof of it, living proof of it, living testament of it. You've built it multiple times. I'd love to hear your story of overcoming the resilience to do that, because I will share my personal, I mean, you know, we, we talk offline, building catapulting commissions has not been a straight lineup. There've been mm-hmm. a lot of ups and downs. So I'd love to hear your background a little bit on one, the resilience and, and how you develop this, yeah, resilience or mindset to build multiple companies. And then later on, I'd love to talk some tactics on how did, you, how, how did that come to life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, the, um, I think there are really three things, right? So uh, first of all, while on paper, I've done a lot of incredible things and been very blessed and very successful, um, I will tell you in reality, um, while I've been successful, um, I have, it has come at the cause of pain, mistakes, and bumping my head along the way. Um, and I think every entrepreneur needs to understand that um, no matter what type of way you're di- building a, a digital business, a virtual, uh, uh, physical brick and mortar, uh, whatever, whatever your, your modality is, it doesn't matter. Entrepreneurs, by definition, are more resilient than the failures that they incur that ultimately lead them to the foundations of, the, of their success. Um, so for example, my first business that I started in 98, um, I was unfortunately homeless at the time mainly because I was an ignorant doofus, um, you know, and made a lot of bad decisions and, and, and with money specifically and then kind of relationships. Um, that business taught me how to use my hands, which taught me how to use my head, which later taught me how to use my heart. Now, mm. throughout the course of my journey, I've, I've faced things like obviously homelessness, uh, dyslexia, ADHD, high school dropout, embezzlement, right? I mean, there's been a lot of significant things. COVID, 2008 downturn, it was like all these different things. And at the end of the day, if you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur, uh, you have to first decide you're committed, right? 
So I had to commit to the fact that I was going to build an organization piece by piece, brick by brick. And rather than focus on how slowly it was happening, I focused on how much impact I could make in the moment. And I think by doing that, you can really kind of really stretch things out. The second thing that I find is you got to surround yourself with a lot of fantastic people. Um, As a high school dropout, as someone who only has a GED in education, there's absolutely no reason I should have nine figure businesses. None, none. It doesn't make logical sense. Until you understand that I've been surrounded by people who have done incredibly well in business, but also have incredibly high levels of character along the way. Uh, Steve Mark, my first mentor, he's the guy that told me a long time ago, hey man, the difference between a rich man and a poor man is the way they think. Do you want to think like me or do you want to think like your dad? Right? And my dad made a lot of bad decisions early on, especially when it came to money. Right? So ask yourself kind of really who you're surrounding yourself with and whether or not your pride and your ego is in the way. I find that a lot of times we get these mentors, we get these folks who are willing to pour into us and spend time with us and help encourage us and teach us. And a lot of times like, no, we got to figure it out. I got it. You know, I really feel like entrepreneurship uh, by definition, the isolation that most entrepreneurs feel around the way is, is somewhat self-imposed, right? So you got to make sure you're surrounded by the right people. And I think the third thing is you have to understand that what got you to $100,000 or a million dollars or 10 million or 50 million or a hundred million is not going to be the next thing that's going to have you double in size. You are going to have to pivot and change. And rather than fight against pivoting and changes, you need to absorb it and lean into it. And I think at the end of the day, that is the core reason that um, many of my ventures became successful. But it's also, even though I might have seven great operating companies, I have also had 10, 10 businesses that didn't work. Whoa. All right. So let's, let's peel that back there. One statistic. Let's just hear that, right? Steven's currently running seven successful ventures. 10 have failed, right? So if we were to put this on a scoreboard, he's seven and 10. So, you know, to, just to say, hey, optics, but no one's, no one's paying attention to those 10 mm-hmm. because the seven are making such an impact in the world. And what you stated in terms of growing or, or, or kind of having this resilience for entrepreneurship, one, right? Commit to, commit to the process, right? Mm-hmm. Commit to, it's a, it's a, it's a high level commitment. Surround yourself with people and be adaptable to change. Mm-hmm. Now I will say this surrounding myself with people has been super, super helpful, but I'll share with you. So let's, let's just, let's flip this. I'm kind of in this, this journey of things that you're saying. So this is me peeling my layers back. Mm-hmm. There's times where I've had people um, offer to help or give mentorship or different things, literally free and unsolicited. And incredibly successful people, right? Like these are, these are not like slouches, but there's sometimes an embarrassment of like, my venture's not where I want it to be. It's like, I'm not, I'm not quite ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you have to say to myself or someone else that's feeling that way? And, and, and you know, I had a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago that shared with me the exact statement I just shared with you, but mm-hmm. was relating that to reaching out to have asked me for help. And I'm like, oh man, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this much. All right. So the, the first, it's, it, it all comes down to understanding. All right. Um, here's the deal. The greatest mistake I ever made in business, ever made in business, was trying to build a business without building myself. Continually, routinely. My daily regiment consists of daily professional and personal development every single day. And I don't mean just necessarily I pick up and I read 10 pages. That can help you. No, no harm, no foul. I mean, what is your intention? I wake up every day, starts with prayer, meditation. I hit the gym while I'm at the gym, on the way there, at the gym, and on the way out of the gym, I'm indulging on a very specific piece of content. Maybe it's my financial sector. Maybe it's my relationship sector and my emotional sector. 
And what I do a little bit differently than people is I choose one sector a day to focus on. So I'm getting well-rounded growth every day, day in and day out. The reason I do that is because when opportunity knocks and, and sends it over to me, like one of our mutual good friends, Rory, gives me the opportunity to work with Ed Milet and, and host his book launch and, and knock it out of the park. I want to be ready for that. And if I have any lack, if I have any limiting beliefs that I'm not worthy of it or I'm not ready for it, then it's going to cause me to pause when I really need to attack, right? I learned a long time ago that there's really five phases in business. And when you understand that there's five phases in business and you also understand where you are in those phases, it helps you give you insight into how much help you really need. So when advice comes, you're like, okay, yes, dump it on me. Like I would rather just say, yes, teach me everything you know and then whatever time I have with that person and if I only take one thing off the grocery store shelf to put in my to put in my cart, I still took one idea. And one idea can change the game. So when you look at these five phases, for example, you got the startup, right? That's hustle, butts, grind. That's that's you're doing everything. You're the you are legitimately the chief everything officer, like doing everything under the sun. No team. Um, you're the salesperson, you're out there grinding, you're the marketing person, you're the fulfillment person, the finance person, all of it, right? The next phase in the game is the testing phase. Now, you, typically from startup to testing is one to $500,000, okay? Testing is when, hey, I've got something that's working. Now I need to test it to perfect it. I need to figure out how do I position this product as good, the service in such a way that allows it to be um, automated at some point or elevated at some point, okay? Once you test it and you kind of can fix it a little bit, now you're going to invest in it. Okay, so here's the, some of the big mistakes I made. And this came straight from mentorship. I went from startup to investing and lost a bunch of money. I right. tried to skip the testing phase. I tried to fast forward. I tried to shortcut. There is no shortcut, right? Startup, test it, then invest in it. Once you can get to the place where you can trust the investment of your personal time, your time, talent, your resources, your capital, now you're ready to set up the next stages, which, which you're, getting to, you're, getting into a, you're getting into elimination automation and delegation, eliminating distraction, automating what you can and delegating what you can. And that allows you to go to the next phase, which is scaling. Okay. The scaling phase ultimately opens up the door if you do it correctly to either operate or sell the business, right? And that's, that's a 50 year track record for some, a 10 year track record for a 10 year track record for others. All of them have gotten to that place. You look, you take Zuckerberg, like, like him, hate him, whatever his business model is and kind of what he's doing with meta and whatever. The dude started something. He went through the testing phase. He went through the investing phase. He did scale it. And then he had the choice of oper or to sell it or operate it, right? Your mentorship will come at that specific, that specific time. I actually believe that mentors find you when you're ready for the information you're willing to receive, which is why I'm a big proponent of because there's five phases, you need to be willing to receive at all times and get out of your own stinking way. Because the reality is, is if... I had everything I needed to know to be a billionaire. I would be a billionaire, right? I just don't have enough information or uh, education. It's not that I'm not business savvy. And it's not that my mind doesn't work. It's like, I just don't know what I don't know. And you look at the top five, five reasons businesses fail, right? Everything from money to under, to resources, to people, to team, to competitive environment. All of those come down to one thing, the ignorance of the entrepreneur. So how do you fix the ignorance of the entrepreneur? The entrepreneur has to become educated on a regular basis. Oh man, I I love it. I I hear I hear what you're saying, and I I agree. I think there's a level of of education we commit. I 
I like how you have this distinct routine you start your day. As you were saying that right now, um, it really it really struck me. I, on my drive this morning, I was like, ah, oh, I was kind of tired. And, and so I was like, and it was raining. I'm like, oh, let me put music to wake me up. And I easily on the 15-minute drive could have consumed a different form of content mm-hmm. that would have fed me something. One of, the, one of the scariest things I heard uh, recently, I can't remember who shared with it, was every time I'm listening to music, I'm not making money. And I was like, and the argument was if I'm consuming content and I'm choosing what my brain takes in, if it's in line with what I'm doing as a business owner, then I'm making money. If mm-hmm. it's just to decompress, then it's not making money, which brings me to this, this, this other challenge. And so hearing the, the ventures and the five stages, working with the mentors and getting the help. There's another component on this when you're in this startup phase, or I would even say argue startup scaling and, and even full blown at your level where, where things are running. How do you balance that time, right? From, hey, I'm going to hustle, work, work, work. And I have found personally, if I'm late night with my laptop doing work and I'm not spending time you know, on, on the, on the couch with my wife watching TV, or if I'm not spending time with my daughters or, or, or my son, like I feel guilty. So now I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, how do I balance this to be one effective in the journey of entrepreneurship, but two, to be effective as, as a husband, as a father, as, yeah. as a family man, like where well, does I'm gonna that jump around here a little bit? Cause that's, I think that's a, that's an emotional trigger that almost every single entrepreneur faces guilt and shame okay. on a regular basis. Guilt, shame, and isolation. I actually think are the three most dangerous emotions that um, impede entrepreneurs. And part of that is because, again, it comes down to understanding. Most entrepreneurs go to work, if you will, to their business and they go through their day. But by the time they get to their end of their day, they have zero idea what just happened because they spent the entire day putting out fires of some kind, right? Something didn't click, something didn't work. What I've discovered is to make sure that I have zero distractions throughout the course of the day, okay? And then I've, because I'm naturally triggered to want to work, I enjoy what I do from events to creating media, to creating my own thought leadership stuff, to running businesses and entrepreneurship. I love it all. Okay. So I'm naturally predisposed to want to work. I've gotten to the place now where I have to shut it off. Okay. So here's, here's how I'd kind of position that. Number one, make sure that you've eliminated as many distractions in that work window as you can possibly eliminate. Okay. Get off your stupid social media. Stop scrolling. Stop checking how many likes and followers you have during the course of the day. You can do that during your decompressed time, okay? So that's going to give you, on average, the average American spends three and a half to four and a half hours a day in wasted distractionary time before they get home, okay? Ouch. So <laughs> if you, even, if it's, even, if, even if only half of that is true, that's still two hours a day of now productive time that you get to choose, okay? The second thing that I would do is with that productive time, you've eliminated the distractions, all right? You're setting yourself up to really achieve your objectives. Go after your objectives and burst. Go after a 60-minute grind window and then give yourself a 15-minute break. 60-minute grind window, 15-minute break. 60-minute grind window, 15-minute break. And do that about four times throughout the course of the day. Get out. And when I say your break, I don't mean get on your social media or watch some news thing or whatever. I mean, get up. Go for a walk. Maybe go hang out with your team for a minute. Show them that you care about them. Heck, one of the biggest lessons I had to learn is like, just pick up my phone and text my wife and say, I love you. Mm. Like, it wasn't uncommon for me to start my day and end my day, like with no communication whatsoever with my family. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And this stuff has to become more intentional over time. So when you eliminate the distractions, you focus and burst, 
what happens is you it forces you to become more selective with your priorities, therefore more productive with your efforts, therefore higher levels of resorts, results. So when you get home, you can decompress. So one of the little things that I tip, what I, that I try to do on a, on a good day, this is one of the things that I do, is I'll do a brain dump before I even walk in the house. Right, I'll answer is yeah. whatever I can do, get it off my, get out of my brain, get out of my head, and then you park it. Right, then you park it. So typically, you can't reach me after seven o'clock. You just can't. I just and you used to be able to pick up the phone if you called me at midnight. I had to pick up the phone and, and answer an email. Right. So it comes down to choice. If you choose to be more selective with your priorities and your productivity, not only you get the added benefit of the results you're going to find that you've been wasting a lot of time. Therefore, it creates more fires, more confusion, and more reasons for you to just be busy. There's a difference in being busy and being productive, right? You've got to figure out a way to be uh, laser focused on what the objective really is. And when you start compressing your time even further and you give yourself a formal boundary of this is where we start and this is where we stop and this is our boundary, first of all, your family is going to appreciate it. But more importantly, the start and stop boundary forces you to be more productive through the course of the day. Forces you to. You have no choice. Have zero choice. You know, the other thing I want to go back to really, really fast. I know you mentioned the 15-minute window for music and stuff like that. I believe that you should be spending about 85% of that, what I call me time, Mm -hmm. in personal and professional development. You still need an outlet to have an emotional release or um, a rejuvenation or replenishment cycle, if you will. Um, so I, you know, for me, I'm a big fan of replenishment cycles. Where do you go? What do you do? Who do you do it with? Which could be just by yourself. Yep. Like what is your replenishment cycle? What are the things that you do that kind of feeds you? For me, I can go to, I can go hang out at the mountains for two hours. Right. And it just elevates me. I can go hang out at the movie theater and watch a movie and just decompress and watch a movie that also replenishes me right? Sitting down with a pay, a pad and a pen replenishes me. If you have the removal of distraction, the focus of priorities, the intentional replenishment, then therefore you're going to have more emotional energy to actually invest yourself. Because I also believe that one of the most important things you will ever need to do in your life is to take your emotional intensity, okay? And make sure that it's aligned with your aspirational identity. If your emotional intensity is not aligned with your aspirational identity, you're going to be naturally distracted and off course and your family's going to feel it, your team's going to feel it, and you're going to feel it, which is going to help you make you feel hopeless, isolated, and alone. Oh, man. Catapult the Commission's family. If you're not go press rewind on that, you need to hear that again. We got Steven Scoggins with us, the award-winning successful serial multi-million-dollar entrepreneur. He's the host of the hit podcast, Unstoppable. So, be sure we're putting the links down in the show notes. Go get connected with the with the podcast. Get connected with Stephen. Uh, we'll have all those links down in the show notes. So thank you guys for listening in. Now, now, Stephen, you you're just wrapped up sharing this uh, really a mental approach to let's reframe the way entrepreneurs think about their business venture. Mm-hmm. Um, and and hearing you say that, you know, I can't help but look at myself because you know I I feel sometimes not even feel sometimes I feel like there's an alignment sometimes that I'm the avatar with some of the content you speak to like in those early stages. Right. And, you know, I was, I would argue early stages up to your first million, like everything is just like P and L revenue, P and L revenue, but how you're breaking it down makes sense because I have found that um, there's certain tasks that will take a long time. If I allow any ounce of distraction to hit me mm-hmm. and 
do you have any hacks or tricks to, to start that? Because it's easy to say eliminate the distractions. We can all say that. But to actually implement that, like I look at it like right now I'm in my office, doors closed, no one can see me. So I can say, hey, I'm eliminating distractions. But I can also be on my cell phone. I can also have, you know, ESPN popped up. I can have a bazillion other things distracting me. Do you have any hacks or, or recommendations or things you did to, in those early stages to eliminate some of those distractions? Uh, the answer is yes. I'll also mm-hmm. tell you that actually zero to three million is considered very much early stage. I'm in. Sign right? me up. Um, and to that end, the thing that I did was I started holding myself accountable to my dreams. Mm. So I got two choices throughout the course of a day. I can take whatever time, whatever spare time I can drum up or whatever committed time I can focus in on. And I'm the one that chooses. I'm the one that chooses whether or not ESPN's even on the TV. If there's a TV that gets in there, I'm the one that chooses whether or not my cell phone is in a desk drawer somewhere where I can't hear it ding and buzz. Or, you know, someone like myself who's on a Mac most of the time, I can hit do not disturb or focus or whatever. So I don't get distracted. How many times I check my email, you know? So I think part of it is holding yourself accountable to your dreams. Like if you really say you're dreaming and you give anything to do X, Y, and Z, are you really doing anything to obtain X, Y, and Z? Or are you not holding yourself accountable and allowing yourself to slide a little bit here? Because I did this really well. I did this really well. I did this really well. Yeah, and I can wait till tomorrow. Like you got to start holding yourself accountable. And I think the other thing that I mentioned that is you got to have these more committed time slots. So I check my email three times a day. Okay. On average. Um, I'll carve out a window of time, normally 20 or 30 minutes to go through and answer emails. You even knew this when we were trying to schedule the podcast, right? Like you said yeah. it over, I saw the email, but I didn't respond back right away. Right. Cause I was committed to what I was focused on in that moment. It wasn't that I didn't love my brother. Cause I love my brother. You know, I just wanted to make sure that I was focused in on that thing. I got, you know, we got major launches coming, major events coming and that stuff needs my attention. Right. The other thing I would say is make sure you're focused on the thing that's going to create the most leverage. One of the things I love about construction is there's always tools and there's always things. And you can, you can take a board and drive a nail down halfway through the center of the board and then try to pull it out with your hand and you can't pull it out, okay? However, you grab a, sma- a small little crowbar or something like that, grab it, that, that nail will pop right out like nothing, right? So make sure that the thing that you're prioritized, the thing that you're focused on is a leverage point, right? If the most important thing you need to do is to prepare a budget for your company to succeed, Right. It may not be the thing that you want to do, but because it creates the most leverage, I would rather do that than answer an email. Mm-hmm. Right. Most of us, what we like to do is we want the instant gratification. So we like to do the easy thing first. I'm a huge fan of do the hard thing first. I've also discovered when you do the hard thing first, all the other things become easier, just in general. Right. The number one, whatever the most hardest thing is, in fact, I would dare say, the challenge to your audience right now would be whatever the number one thing is that you most don't want to do is probably the very thing that is your leverage point. It's probably the thing you need to do so you can get it off your plate so you can get back to creative and innovative and get yourself moving forward. So those are the things that I personally do. Um, I try not to say anything that I don't personally do or, or, or try to commit to something that I don't personally do, but those are the things that I personally do. Uh, you know, I, I that hits me hard. The thing you don't want to do is probably the biggest leverage point. You know, I, I go to the the early stages of starting this, my personal brand and starting Catapulted Commissions. And the thing that I didn't do for the longest, and I kind of just ran it by the fly, was 
like the standard standard operating procedures for a one person personal brand as a company. It was like, mm-hmm. in my mind, I knew we did this. And it wasn't until I finally sat down and I was like, you know what? I'm going to list everything that I do. I'm going to record it. I'm going to put it on Loom. I'm going to break it down. And every time I need to make an adjustment or pivot, I'm going to just log it in this Google, Google Drive. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's where I hold my SOPs. The response I got from my staff was this made life easier for them. There was no more going back and forth. It was very much. That's because they didn't have to read your mind anymore. Yeah. (laughs) But it took me two years to do it. So I wish in the earlier stages. So now as you're saying that, I look at this point now where, where I'm at a, at a point in my business where, okay, I'm, I'm trying to crack that next level. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, what is that thing that's, that I need to get done that's Mm -hmm. holding me back. And so it, it does create leverage points. Now, Leverage points that you're discussing here. Um, what are your thoughts here on either outsourcing these leverage points, doing it yourself, like at a certain point, because we all have things in our business that, mm-hmm. uh, that I would say are a leverage point. Yeah. Um, well, it, de- it really depends on what phase you're in. So if you're in the startup phase, you're going to be doing a lot more on your own than you're okay. going to have the resources to then bring in teams. Okay. So let's assume you're middle of the road. Okay, let's assume maybe you're, you know, you've got some revenue coming in, you have a need for a team member or two. Um, In that mode, then you're going to have to actually identify what your true strengths and gifts are. And then what are the things that you're really not as good at? So I I had this conversation today. I'm looking at um, some possible acquisitions and some stuff I'm I'm looking at. And uh, in, in talking to some of the folks that I was talking to about some of these deals I'm looking at for acquiring companies and stuff like that, one of the things that came up was is like, they're like, well, you seem very self-aware. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, most people can't articulate what they're really good at versus what they're not. I said, well, that's because I learned it the hard way. Like I learned that by mistakes, meaning um, somebody else was better at doing something than I was better at doing it to begin with, like cost me money, cost me time, and energy. Me not letting go of that cost me time and energy and money, okay? So first of all, I think you have to take an inventory of who you are, what you're really good at. So I'm really good at strategy, vision, and getting stuff off the ground. Okay. Um, I'm decent at operations. Okay. So if I'm looking at a hierarchy, I'm looking at, okay, this is the thing that I'm really good at. This is the thing I need to take ownership. This is where I create my, the biggest leverage point for the business. Okay. I'm good at operation. This is going to be something I will probably have to do for a little while, but as soon as I'm able to, I want to have, I want to hire someone or subcontract someone who is much stronger than that. Okay. Now, typically subcontracting any, any type of resource or any type of position is going to be the first step before you bring on a full-time team member. One, because of liability, right? It's liability from the state. You got you to gotta worry about payroll. You got to worry about payroll taxes and FICA and Social Security and, and did, I, did I hire them well and all the things that kind of go into that. <clears throat> Where subcontractors, I'm paying you this price to do this thing, okay? So, in the startup phase, it's early. It's mostly you. In the testing phase, it's going to be mostly subcontractors. In the investing phase, now, hopefully, if you've done your due diligence wise, wisely, you have spent the time creating the SOPs and getting stuff out of your head so people don't have to kind of guess what you're thinking. Now, you're ready to actually have that internal team member. So, it really depends on where you are in the stage of the journey itself. I can tell you that you cannot use the startup mentality and ever expect to be in the investing and scaling category. It will never work. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs who are in their long, who are in their own way because they don't relinquish control. Like, mm. well, if I let go of this, it's going to fall apart. Actually, dude, do that. I'm gonna tell you right now. Like, 
you know, Jane over here actually does that thing better than you do. If you just trust her to do it, let her do it. Like it'll have a higher level of performance, but they have an identity that's tied to it. But if I let it go, then the business isn't about, and here's what I'm gonna tell you about business is if you're in the business, just so it benefits you, you're in the wrong business. Mm. Your business needs to benefit the marketplace and your community and your team. That's why you build a business. You cannot create a legacy that will outlive you if you're so focused on you. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's huge. Yeah, play that again, guys. That that's a good one. I I love how we're you you consistently go back and, and it's kind of a theme through this this episode we've been discussing. Right? There's always this greater person, this greater this greater need mm-hmm. for the business, and and I'm hearing the vehicle really is the business to serve the audience, the people, the employees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what really hit me with you, Stephen, was that when I had the opportunity to go and, and speak at one of your events uh, a little over a year ago, maybe yeah, a little over a year ago. Let me do it again. Yeah, I'm ready. I need to come back out. And 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 uh, yeah, I, I definitely got to come back out. The what struck me when I saw your interaction with your staff, like we had a day, you know, Catapultures family. We had a day. We were supposed to have a live event with a lot of people, and it just happened to snow incredibly. <laughs> yeah. There was a million reasons Stephen could have been frustrated. There was a million reasons, right, that that the event didn't go to the way it was planned. But what I saw that day was the genuine care for the people you were serving, who were both your employees or, or subcontractors that were there, and the people that were speaking, mm-hmm. and then the people that showed up. It never faltered, like, hey, here's who we are to to give. And through that, through my observation of you giving, it's no, it's it makes sense, which I kind of known why you're so successful. But as an entrepreneur at times, it, it's hard because, you know, we want to give, but sometimes we got to be in a position to give. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's a fine balancing act. But, you know, what you described to me is like my North Star. If I just yeah, keep well, focused yeah, on my I mean, North there, Star. There's, there's, there's two stages of giving. There's giving okay. of self and there's giving of resources, okay. right? Most entrepreneurs can't come out of the gate and give immediately start giving of resources, okay? But you can give of self in the way, because your business is nothing more than you on credibility, right? So you are your business in many respects, okay? So if you don't have a, a sincere desire to serve the people who are going to buy from you, they'll buy from you once and they'll never buy from you again, okay? You know, however, if, you, if they see a sincere desire that you're truly trying to help them and whatever that, it's, if you're building a house for them, you're selling them pharmaceuticals, you're, gosh, making a digital course, uh, speaking on behalf of them, like, all of that, the most successful people that I see on the planet that literally do the best job are the people who care the most about service. Like they're thinking mm-hmm. through, you know, one of the things I try to do with my events and stuff like that when we host events, um, whether I'm just one of mine or whether I'm doing one for Ed Milet or somebody like that, is I want to think about the audience and what is going to tug at the audience's heartstrings. What's going to make them have a, their own aha right? Because I can put any world-class thought leader on our stage and do an event, okay? But if the, the thought leader is only interested in serving them, then the audience doesn't get served. And if the audience doesn't get served, then they have an empty promise fulfilled. And I never want my audience to have an empty promise that's fulfilled. I would rather them come in there and get one idea that changes the game. One idea, one concept, one strategy, one technique. It only takes one to make a rocket ship go. Just one, right? So if you don't have the heart of service at the core of everything that you do, 
then your audience, your clients, your team, all of them are going to see it. They're going to know, right? You, you can't hide that, right? Because either you're doing it or you're not doing it, right? I have had customers that I lost money on, right? Because the right thing to do was to backfill for a thing that popped up mm. that really was not their problem. It was our, we, we failed at service at some, some capacity. So great. Mr. Customer, you don't owe me for that right now. You know, and the, you know what the crazy part is? Is those no. customers always come back. That is true. It's the craziest thing. And you would think, well, you know, they, I just gave, you know, it, our, our mutual good friend says it the best way. Anton Gunn says, make it, make it right. Make yeah. it right. If you have a servant's heart in business, team, family, all of that, you will make it right. You don't get home in time. You don't, you forget to text your wife or something like that, which I have done all of that. And then some make it right. Like, Hey babe, I totally screwed the, I totally screwed the pooch on this. What can we go do to, to have some fun together? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, we, we so overcomplicate things as entrepreneurs and as people, like we way overcomplicate it. Come at it with the heart of service, mean what you say, do what you say you're going to do and all things, everything else will work out. Oh man, keep it simple, guys. Keep it simple. Keep serving. Make things right. And and you know, Stephen mentioned uh, you know our, our mutual friend Anton Gunn. We had him on the show. I don't know in its infancy. I think he was episode four or five. Uh, Going to reach out to Anton to bring him back on. But he, I have his little coin he sent me um, that said it's never the wrong time to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just it really it really hits. It's actually back in my corner, right right underneath my book there, and it sits and it's it hits right because. One, from a customer, but two, how you just said it right now with your wife. I know that I've had to have that conversation um, with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I recently, uh, you know, I, I talk a lot about, you know, about, about my daughter on here and her venture of competitive Taekwondo. Um, she was super excited. Rankings came out, this whole thing. She came after school, poked in my office, and I had just got off a call where I had lost a customer. And so I brushed her off pretty hard. <laughs> and I didn't even realize it. And then I saw her face and she walked away and it was like that instant, like, oh, okay. And I'm only going to have, you know, there's that, there's that fine window of mm-hmm. teenagers where they're like, they come to you. Cause eventually they're just like, oh, I don't know if I need yeah. you that I can do it on my own. And it, it struck me and it was this complex feeling where at the end I was like, you know what? I just need to go talk to her. I went up to her room and said, Hey, dude, I, I'm sorry. I kind of, I kind of messed up. Like I didn't hear you. Mm-hmm. Wasn't my intention. I'm not even going to give you justification. Because what I did was wrong. Um, yeah, I got teary-eyed and I'm like, you know, and, but it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it brought our relationship significantly closer. So I always, hearing you say that about your wife, I always thought, well, yeah, do the right thing for your customer, but do the right thing at home. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, kind of If we treated our family like customers, our families would be better served. That, that is, yeah, absolutely. That's, there's some truth and validity in that. So, um, man, well, I love this conversation, Stephen. A few few minutes here. Um, unstoppable solutions, right? How does somebody like give us a little high level overview of what an yeah. unstoppable solution is, and, and and if someone wants to like consume more of this discussion we had today, like you know, how do they get access to that as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. So Scoggins International comp- is comprised of three lanes: uh, media creation. So we help a lot of folks create a lot of amazing media, um, everything from stage footage to uh, social media stuff, all kinds of stuff. So we're, we, we've stumbled our way into media creation. Uh, then we have the events sector, which is us hosting events for other people like the Milets of the world. Mm-hmm. The unstoppable solutions portion is what we call our empowering education portion. Um, and specifically for the year of 2023 and the first quarter or two of 2024, 
we are focused on our new initiative, which is the Unstoppable Startup. Um, that's helping entrepreneurs go from that are typically between the zero and $3 million range, actually double or triple the value of their organization and themselves within a 12-month time frame. And we do that by teaching them through all the silly things that, that entrepreneurs will do boneheadedly by accident. We teach them how to avoid that by giving them structures and strategies and principles to kind of do so. And I think the easiest way to kind of um, just kind of stay connected is to actually just go to stevenscoggins.com, unstoppablestartuplive.com, all one word, unstoppablestartuplive.com, um, at the, at, you know, stevenscoggins.com, unstoppablestartuplive. That's it. So go there, check that out. You can always find me on Instagram as well. Catapulting Missions family. We will have those links down in the show at stevenscoggins.com, unstoppablesolutionslive.com. And yeah, if you're driving in the car, be sure to go click those links. Now, uh, Stephen, as we as we wrap up the show here, last thing, right? Big goal you're trying to accomplish over the next 12 months. Would you mind sharing with us? Just so we we we'd love to follow the 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 journey and the venture of our guest on the show. Yeah, I think our our big five year goal is to take the Scoggins International brand, and we want to serve one million people within the next five years. That's incredible. That is that is an incredible goal. And I love how you framed it on serve a million people and it wasn't tied into a revenue amount, which it doesn't even shock me after having this conversation and knowing you <laughs> on, a, on an intimate level. So I really, really appreciate that. Well, Steven, it's been a, a pleasure to have you on the show. Can I get you back on the show in a couple of years? I'd love to see how things are going. Things have changed and all that fun stuff. Can I, can yeah, I count dude, on you, you for that? The, you got the bat phone phone number. So you, you, anytime you need me, I'm here. I appreciate it, brother. Well, Catapulting Missions family, it's the time of the show. You know what to do. Do me a favor. Go get connected with Steven. Be sure to like this episode, comment, shoot me a DM. Let me know. Are you in a position of serving? Are you the entrepreneur who can serve with resources or serve with time? I'd love to hear some feedback on it. And I will see all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Catapulting Commission Sales Talk Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Anthony Paul Garcia. Until next time.